find birds scary, Noel? No. Not even a little. Really? Yeah, like, it's a pretty common fear. What about shittily animated, low-budget cartoon birds? Uh, <laughs> you mean like the ones from Duck Hunt? Yeah, that actually is a lot what it reminded me of. Yeah. <laughs> Both in terms of their range of movement and the types of movement and the realism. And the sounds. Therein. And uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, I don't find those scary. I enjoyed shooting them in the arcade uh, or in my Nintendo at home. Yeah. Yeah, they're not scary at all. Well, uh, neither was this piece of shit movie we just watched. <laughs> Welcome to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And today we are discussing... Birdemic, which I didn't know if you knew this or not, but the full name of this movie is Birdemic colon Shock and Terror. Yeah. <laughs> I'm terrified that this got made and released. And I'm shocked at how fucking awful it was. It's <laughs> a really, really bad movie. Uh, a uh, staple of many worst movie lists, commonly regarded to be one of the worst movies of all time. And, uh, you know, so we're, we're watching it. Or we watched it, and I don't fucking know, man. It's... <laughs> Ah, was it worth it? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I mean, this podcast has definitely introduced me to a whole bunch of movies that I would have never watched, right? And this is certainly one of those movies. I had higher expectations, I guess, if that is, like, can be wrong. So many people have told me after we talked about having a bad movie podcast that we have to watch and discuss this movie. I thought it was going to be way better. It's funny that you say that because, like, I do this every, once we start figuring out episodes we're going to do for, like, kind of the season, lay it out, I start looking at the ones where I'm like, which ones can actually give us our, like, highest rating, 10 out of 10 bad and 10 out of 10 enjoyable, and this is one of the ones, based on what I had heard, too, where I'm like, that might be in play, and we have to get to our ratings at the end, but I, I would have a hard time <laughs> believing this is going to pull in the full 10, at least on both scales. Yeah, I was I was a little shocked. I I knew it was going to be really campy. Um, I knew it was going to be kind of B movie esque, but I did not understand how low budget and quality it was going to be. Yeah, apparently I did some research online. It was made for a budget of ten thousand dollars, which is insanely low for yes. what is a ninety minute movie. Yeah, I mean. To be fair, that is a bit of an achievement, I guess. $10,000 to produce um, anything yeah, right? that people all over have watched. This must have made way more than $10,000 at this point. I mean, I would assume based on, I don't know if it's streaming anywhere, but like I, I bought a physical copy of this to my eternal regret. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Like you know, I, I, it was it was getting passed around for a while on like DVD. It was talked about, so I'm sure that they've made some. It's ten thousand dollars. You can make it back in no time. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, um, yeah. Now we always pair a beer with the movie, and and I think finding a beer was a little bit of a like why this is happening in our third season, right? Yeah, it was a little tricky, uh, perhaps because of the widespread fear of birds that many people have. Not a lot of bird themed beers. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why that is. So. Uh, we got one here. It's called Paper Birds. This is a fruited sour farmhouse ale with blueberry, cherry, mango, and pineapple. Yes. Now this is there. Uh, so this is from Eleventh Hour Brewing Company in Pittsburgh, where I've spent a lot of time. Obviously, my second home. And uh, I got the chance to finally swing by this brewery when I was there a couple months ago. And this is kind of like the name of their series of sours. So they've put out a few different versions of this, but it's kind of their general uh, sour umbrella, for lack of a better term. Normally, I'm the beer guy, but uh, I have never been to this brewery, and this will be my first 11th hour beer. Looking at it online, it seems like they have quite a few cool beers and a really neat spot as well. 
Yeah, they're right off of kind of the main strip in Lawrenceville, which is kind of a very trendy uh, sort of like bar restaurant area. Um, Cool spot. Really nice people there. Nice selection of beers. And I drank this one in Pittsburgh. Really enjoyed it. So looking forward to it again today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to trying this. It sounds good. It uh, is it have real fruit in it? Is it kind of like a slushy sour? You fucker. Listen, I know what you're doing. (laughs) I so okay. It is a fruited sour farmhouse ale. But I was not aware that this has like actual fruit puree or whatever in it, which for those of you who are fucking beer nerds or just people who have had this happen to them, you really need to keep that cold at all times before you drink it because if it gets warm, so if the fermentation or something happens and the can can like uh, bulge and or explode. And yes, this is what happened to me. I brought back four cans of this. Uh, I'm down to two, luckily for us, drinking these in the podcast today. The other two ended up all over the side of my house and the side of my face (laughs) because of some poor storage on my part. Didn't realize they had actual fruit in them, but hey. Uh, I love that uh, this, which is a treasured flavor in beer to you, exploded and was all over your face. Just like these birds crashing down on houses (laughs) in this wonderful movie, Britain. And people. (laughs) What a fucking weird movie. So uh, let's get into the good part of this podcast which is going to be this beer what do you say yeah i'm ready oh in the eye oh it sticks you deserve that you're forcing me to tell that story i know after taunting you so we open with grainy stock footage of the sea in what looks like a small cape town Oh, my mistake. All the footage is going to be grainy. <laughs> we, were, we were both confused. Like, is this a DVD quality thing or what? Yeah, it starts out with some really poor quality filming. Now that I know that the whole thing costs 10 grand, I guess you're not buying an expensive camera to film this with. No, you can see where all that money went or rather didn't go. Cell phone cameras? Like, is this made on iPhones? Like, uh, oh, old timey fucking camcorder? I don't even know. Yeah, not good. Uh, so we start out, yeah, with some shots of land and sea. And then very quickly, we transition to some cars on the road. Well, a lone driver in particular takes us through the credits with like an off center dashboard point of view shot that I found very disorienting. Yeah, it was really strange because the text was centered with the screen, uh, but the camera itself was not. It was on a like really cockeyed angle. Yeah, I don't know. If someone was holding it, they're doing a fucking terrible job. And if someone rigged up a little uh, like tripod, it was not like leavened properly or something. He, uh, this guy eventually comes to a stop on the main street and we get just an absurd number of cuts as he walks across from us, towards us, away from us, and eventually into the main street grill where he thoroughly creeps on a girl who's eating. (laughs) There's so much to this. The credits kind of roll in and they're really poor credits, right? We get this as he's driving in before he pulls over and heads into this diner. Um, And it seems like this is all the pet project of uh, like one person. James Nguyen? Yeah. James Nguyen? I think it was James Nguyen. But um, he wrote, directed, kind of made all the shots on this. And you can tell this is a one-person project. They're often pretty entertaining, right, to see, like, someone's idea come to fruition like that. But I'm having trouble getting in here. The guy who gets out of his car is, like, so wooden, both in the way he walks and moves. And we get so many jaunty cuts. Like, it's it's really making it a struggle for me. Oh, my God. Every conversation is a cut back and forth between the person talking. And, the, like, so it, anyone's talking, it cuts to them. It cuts back to the next person. It cuts back to the next person. Like, you can frame two people in a shot, but this guy did not do that for anything. No. And the thing that bothered me most was it seemed like the sound changed between every single cut. 
it wasn't consistent at all, so it made it even more jarring, right? Like, the sound would change and disappear between each of these cuts as people were talking. Oh, yeah, and some there's, like, no background noise at all, and others there is background noise. Others it's dead silent until a character starts talking, and then you hear, like, background noise. So it's all over the place, for sure. But we have Rod here. He's in a diner, but instead of ordering food, he sees a sexy lady that he kind of recognizes. We don't know that yet, but... He chases her out of the diner. <laughs> he does. And uh, when she stops, it turns out they both went to the same high school. Her name's Natalie, and he, Rod used to sit two seats behind her, and he remembers everything about her, whereas she remembers nothing about him. Yet, despite what surely indicates a clear difference in their high school social standing, she agrees to keep in touch with him, and they exchange business cards. Oh, also, she's a fashion model, and this is totally how this would go in real life. This is the point in the movie where I'm like, this is a porno, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> It really does seem like we're setting up for a pornography movie. Both the quality of filmmaking, the acting, and the dialogue that brings these two together is definitely telling me that they're going to in the next shot. After this transition where they exchange cards, we're going to have her blowing his dick, right? I've seen better acting in porno movies. I'm just putting that out there. Like, in all seriousness, this is <laughs> yeah. really bad. Yeah, that's I mean, true. listen, I guess it's good that she isn't still locked into a high school-based system of values, but come on, like, that oh, never, never. This guy, the way that he approaches her and tries to hit on her and get her number, there is no way she would have come anywhere close to giving no. her information away. She would have been creeped the fuck out. Yeah, and that we also see similar things that would have driven her away when they have dates later on, but yeah, man. Yeah, they, this relationship needs to work for this movie, right? <laughs> it sure does. Or does it? I don't even know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Not really. No. 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 After a news report about some strange bird behavior, apparently some crows and seagulls caused accidents on the highway, resulting in several dead birds, if not humans, we basically follow Rod along on his daily routine. This is literally a full two minutes of him getting in his car, driving, gassing up the car, driving some more, getting out of his car, walking into the building... And at this point, I'm like, is this whole movie just padding? Just the whole thing? <laughs> the whole thing is just shots of everyday life. That's it. Um, we're just learning about Rod's life. It's a documentary. <laughs> yeah, that's what it felt like. It felt like a documentary about Rod's life. And in fact, it kind of comes across like one. I actually questioned that later, too, because, well, we'll see when we get there. After Rod crushes it at work. What's with all the noise? Caught the big fish. Yeah? How big was the sale? One million dollars. Awesome, man. Biggest sale of my career. <laughs> uh, no big deal. Rod's having a good day. We see that Natalie is also having a good day. She's been chosen to be Victoria's Secret's new cover girl. They're both excited and also they'll be able to talk about it over dinner because he calls her up and invites her to this great Vietnamese place he knows. He tells her that he bet she'd look great in that lingerie. <laughs> Which, again, see examples of things that would have driven her away. Yeah, she would have no chance went on this date with him. It's just ridiculous. But we transition from this phone call where he gets the date to... Like, the athletic portion of the movie. Well, I was going to say, he's excited for this date, but not as excited as his vaguely pervy friend, who we see in what is maybe the worst basketball scene I've ever witnessed. Worse than Catwoman. <laughs> it's worse than the digital one from Catwoman? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Really? At least the digital one, they tried to make someone look good. No one looks good in this fucking basketball scene. They're both terrible. Yeah. They would get, like, so quickly shuffled off that court if anyone actually saw them. But good thing they were on a green screen. I'm not convinced they were, although the very limited amount that you see them moving laterally would indicate that maybe that's very possible. 
Uh, speaking of Catwoman, it turns out that Natalie is a big cat lady. Now, she tells him this on their date, well, the eating part, before they go to a club for some dancing. And by club, I mean an exterior shot of what looks like a pub, followed by what is clearly a green screen of just colors and lights and zero people. And this is where it became crystal clear to me what kind of movie we were watching. <laughs> a really inexpensively made one. You call this a B movie? This is like a fucking C movie. It's like a C minus movie. Yeah, we watched a bonus episode, uh, season one. Motorcycle Maniacs? Yeah. That's better than this. Oh, quality wise. I'm calling it right writing, now. Writing. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Plot, acting. In effects. terms of bad rating, that is a better movie than this. If there were degrees of tens, and we're going to get to our rating later. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's a lot of other places we're going to be able to go with this movie. No. It's just piling on, like, yeah. how many things make this a 10 bad. I thought of Motorcycle Maniacs also. That is a significantly better movie than this, and that says something. Anyway, uh, Rod walks her home and tries to invite himself in, but she says not on the first date. Is it my imagination or does he kind of look like a like extremely homeless man's Channing Tatum? <laughs> That's extremely generous to this guy uh, to compare the Same two. Same head shape, similar hair, I feel. I, I guess. He's a much smaller man. His, oh, yes. His dress is like business casual at all times and like... Poorly fitting. Chanty is a much better dancer. Oh, yes. The yeah. dancing scene that they have in here, this guy is like barely moving his arms and yeah. snapping his fingers while the like female lead does the robot around him. <laughs> it's it's brutal. The one thing that you're not including in a lot of this sort of update we're having here is we get a lot of cuts of news. And in each one, they are talking a lot about global warming. There does seem to be, and you noticed this before I did, in the background, there is a lot of chatter about climate change and how this is a problem for various reasons. And we're going to hear more about that. But yeah, you caught that before I did this for sure. This is more than a little bit of foreshadowing. There's yeah. also one scene that we I want to bring up as they were on their date. They go for a walk after dinner and they end up at a tree. And what appears in the tree in front of them? Oh, yeah. So this is the first birds we see in the movie, except they are not real birds. They are, again, horribly fucking animated, just these obviously cartoonish. They're like parrots? I don't understand. Like The way that I would describe them is they look like something you'd find in a sticker book. It literally looks yeah. like the people making the movie stuck stickers on the screen in the place of where birds were supposed to be. Yeah, you only get like either a direct side view or a direct front view. There's never like nuance There's no depth. To it. It's not no. three-dimensional. It's two-dimensional These birds. are like reboot level graphics. Remember that fucking show mm. Reboot from like the 90s? <laughs> uh, so the next day, she's all smiles, which her mom picks up on immediately. Can't wait to meet him, the mom says. And our old friend, the fall in love after less than 48 hours of knowing each other trope, is looming hard over these proceedings. Yeah, this would never happen. Like, the guy in the lead character role is closer to being an incel than dating a... Oh, oh hang on now. <laughs> There's no way this guy's dating a Victoria's Don't alienate Superman. our audience. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part of the scene we just saw is the end of the scene where the mom throws her daughter a big thumbs up and holds it for honestly like seven seconds, marking the only time in this movie that the editor didn't do a quick cut to the next scene. She holds it for so long that I thought it was frozen, and then she like puts her hand down, assuming the scene is over and they've already cut away and they haven't. Fuck me, this is amateur filmmaking at its best. Yeah, actually, this part is really funny. I, I laughed a lot. We actually we rewound it. Yeah. yeah, we had to see it again because it was so bad. Um, the actress director definitely 
thought that they were finished for sure. And it's funny to see that happen. I feel like they went back because they were trying to get another shot of the daughter, but it was completely unnecessary. I agree. Now, as you mentioned, we do transition from here to Rod's pervy friend from work. He's in bed with some lady, and there's a weird sign on the wall that made me think this was some kind of like erotic massage parlor. But no, it's just this lady's apartment. And in what is maybe the most ridiculous sequence in a ridiculous fucking movie, <laughs> she gets a call from her friend Natalie who invites her out to meet Rod. And bring Rick, she says, which I guess is the friend's name. And when this girl tells Rick, he's like, Good Rod, my buddy Rod. He was telling me last week he, he met a fashion model named Natalie. Oh, really? Yeah. What in the fuck is going on here? There's no chance, one, that they wouldn't have figured out these relationships before. Exactly. Like, that's madness. So, that's bonkers. The sign on the wall just says imaginepeace.com. Like, literally. So, they're trying to push a message, like, just sliding it in there. She wears a shirt later with the same thing on it. So, clearly, there's a connection between that and the people who made this movie. Also, they're, like, about to have sex, and she's wearing a bathing suit. It is when swimming. It's not wet. Maybe she went swimming and they sunned by the pool for a while. He's topless, which might lend some credence to that. But I don't know. It seems really strange to me. I, it felt like they were trying to use the bathing suit as lingerie rather than get this poor woman lingerie. <laughs> I mean, it's certainly possible. I don't imagine they spend a lot on fucking costumes. No, I'm sure most of the people had to bring their own like clothing and underwear to the shoot. Oh, my God. It's so fucking amateur. And the hits just keep on coming in the next scene as it turns out that Rick and Rod's company has just closed a deal worth over $1 billion so everyone gets their stock options. There's much celebrating and Rod gets a big handshake from the boss while struggling to say words that would almost certainly be an integral part of his job. Yeah, this is so cringeworthy. The CEO, he has this awful mustache. He gets up, tells them that they've sold for a billion dollars to Oracle, like a which is a giant software company. They have this little cheer. They're all patting each other on the back. When he congratulates him and Rod talks about how he's earned it, it's probably like maybe it's top three worst delivered lines in the entire movie. And it's just Fuck. so wooden and uncomfortable. It's a long list. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's it's hard, but they just should never give this guy an opportunity to say anything. Like well, okay, now hang on, because I have a theory about this, and as we watch this. Like, the way he's saying these lines, it sounds like he has some kind of accent. To me, it sounded, like, vaguely Asian. And I was like, did the director overdub his lines? This scene makes you think that that's definitely possible, right? The timing just comes out so bad or so poor. It doesn't seem like he's putting any expression into anything he says the entire movie. And there's a lot of exciting and crazy shit that goes down in this movie. That's for sure. I mean, I guess maybe a point against my overdub argument is he's also not showing a lot of emotion or expression in his face. No. I just think this guy's incredibly poor at acting. Do you think he's trying to remember his lines? He's incredibly poor at talking. It's like he can't say some of these words. <laughs> Is he reading out loud? Are there teleprompters or something? And he's reading them. He's just not a very good reader. They couldn't afford teleprompters. This is an added expense. Maybe cue cards. <laughs> In the next scene, his friend Rick asks him what he's going to do with the money and encourages Rod to buy a Ferrari. But oh my gosh, is Rick whistling a different tune after their double date? <laughs> 
<laughs> Holy fuck. <laughs> um, so they transition out of the company selling and them getting millions of dollars to them at a movie theater. They're walking out of the movie in a parking lot and they're all kind of gushing about how wonderful the movie they just saw. Yeah, what movie is it? <laughs> An inconvenient truth. <laughs> it's Al Gore's fucking climate change documentary. Oh my God. So they plug this and then... Hang on, hang on. They plug this in the most wooden, unnatural dialogue I've ever heard. In a movie that is full of unnatural dialogue. Take a listen. Man, that was a good movie. An inconvenient truth. That is it. I'm getting myself a car that's environmentally friendly. Yeah. Good, you finally listened to me. That's right. My God. I mean, this is the point where the global warming theory of yours became undeniable. Yeah, this is the message of the movie. It's environmental propaganda. That's what this movie is. I mean, there's no disputing that climate change is real or that we're the cause of it, but this movie does not help aid in the cause. No, I actually had that thought. This movie almost makes me root for climate change. That's how bad it is. <laughs> you made such a cringeworthy piece of shit that I just hope this planet burns. Yeah, I'm team global warming at this point because, god damn, if this is the opposition. Well, we're going to keep up the environmental message here as we transition. Oh, my God, right away. Yeah, so now he has a new job, his own company, Mass Solar. Yeah, he's pitching revolutionary green tech to some investors. What a bizarre twist this is. Not for the movie, but like for my expectations for the movie. Yeah, I did not get any of this when I talked to people about it. People were just like, you need to watch this batshit movie. You think they would have mentioned, by the way, the whole thing is encouraging people to fight climate change. That's the whole thing. So we have that. We have a plug for Mass Solar, and then we're going to Pumpkin Fest? It's an arts in Pumpkin Fest, actually, where Rod and Natalie take in some beautiful art and pumpkins and pumpkin art, and also the shittiest parade I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's like two floats. One of them's just a girl in a toy tractor. Yeah, instead of having a real tractor pull the fucking float, they have a little girl on it. Now, the little girl pops both of them, so you know things are getting serious because they're both thinking about children. Oh, they both think she's adorable, and they take a romantic walk on the beach after that, talking about the future, and finally, after nearly 40 minutes of movie, we actually see some real birds in the background, but then we also see another shitty animated bird, and this is the point where I am questioning what is going on here. Like, is this a comedy? Is this whole movie just a joke? It feels like it. But it kind of doesn't because the environmental message is serious, so... The real theme is not, but the bird they insert into it is incredibly laughable. All the birds are fucking laughable. This beer is called Paper Birds. Paper Birds would have looked more realistic than what we're seeing. Absolutely. It's just astounding the choice they made on this, and that's what makes it seem so comedic. Because who could have put this out with a straight face? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I don't know either. Like, I'm literally almost rendered speechless by this. If you haven't seen this movie, you cannot understand what we're talking about. Like, find some clips on YouTube if you don't want to pay for the whole thing. It's absurd, and it made me question everything. <laughs> Life itself? Honestly, yeah. That's it. <laughs> so we get some relationship progression here as Rod meets Natalie's mom. And afterwards, he and Natalie again talk future over beers at an Irish pub, which for some reason has a live R&B performance. I don't think this is karaoke. I don't see the guy reading a screen. And also, there is nobody else in this bar. The singer is performing for just the two of them. What the fuck is going on here? <laughs> this scene is hilarious. It's amazing because it seems like this performer has written and performed two songs just for the movie. Well, that's what we learned in the credits. This is the kind of movie where like, the credits are rolling and we're sitting there fucking stunned just watching them. And sure enough, two songs in the soundtrack section written and performed by Damian Carter, who is probably like, hey, I'm going to get my songs in a movie. I bet you this guy got more opportunities because he did this performance than if he was just doing random San Francisco clubs or something. 
That's an interesting question. Did people then pursue his music? I know one person who didn't. <laughs> Just wait till you want to get down next time. You're going to be looking from some of Damien's R&B. Well, <laughs> I don't know about that, but it works here. It definitely puts them in the mood because they head back to her place and finally hook up. After a hilarious series of shots where she comes out wearing lingerie and he does the full look up and down while the camera does the same thing. <laughs> it's fucking great. I thought we were going to get a POV shot of him looking down at his own boner. That's where I thought we were going, <laughs> going with that. But instead, we get a nice look from toast ahead on her. Yeah, and they go to bed secure in their love and the knowledge that tomorrow will be a beautiful day. Or will it? <laughs> what I found funny about this whole sex scene, and I mean, this is low budget and the actors are not being paid to actually engage in any kind of nudity or intercourse, but he doesn't even take off his clothes. <laughs> so he just slips his d*** out through his pants oh, oh, and on. his underwear, I guess, and slides it into her and she's got her underwear on too. <laughs> Or is it possible they just make out? Maybe that's it. Yeah, like maybe she doesn't touch him and they're on top of their clothes heavy petting or something. Only over the closed mouth stuff. That's all it is. <laughs> well, they wake up looking satisfied. They do, but that'll change in a second because more than halfway through this movie, it's finally time for the birdemic. Yes. Shock and terror abound as we see shitty animated birds diving out of the sky, smashing into houses and exploding for some reason. Yeah, we get like maybe two minutes of silent kind of calm before the storm though just these random scenes of a town and other different places nice shots sunrise yeah but when the birds start to dive bomb they explode and we get these little fires the animation continues to be incredibly awful oh they definitely didn't hit the nail on the head with the fire animation and that comes up later too oh god it's so bad so bad we've got these eagles and these eagle sounds outside their window and then they wake up they peek out the window and what do they see <laughs> They, I can't even do this. They see three incredibly shitty looking animated eagles cawing at them, just like a head on shot. And all three of them are hovering in the shape of a triangle and their wings moving the exact same way. Side note, her apartment is clearly a hotel room. <laughs> it even has the no smoking sign on the back of the door. <laughs> they definitely miss some angles here as they're trying to show that it's not. They also decide to barricade the window so these birds can't break in. And you can clearly see the furniture is hotel furniture. Oh, yeah, definitely. But they do barricade the window, like you say. And I guess when the heat dies down, maybe the birds go somewhere else. They run over to, like, a friend's apartment, I guess. I don't know who these people are. Yeah, I think they randomly run into these people. Do you think he knows them? Maybe not. It seemed like there was some kind of familiarity there, but I have no idea. Well, they immediately decide they're going to work together. So the four of them are going out there, and to make sure that they're armed when they escape, they grab clothes hangers? Yeah, they're going to use the hangers to, <laughs> to swat the birds that come close to them. But first, they go back to back to back to back, because that way... They'll be able to see every angle, which is is actually like maybe kind of clever. I don't oh, know. This shot of them going back to back to back to back as they move to the world's oldest van and they're swinging the clothes hangers in the air at these animated birds. It's not holding together anymore. <laughs> like you're, you're not holding together anymore? No, I've dropped my head and I can't take notes. I don't even know if I can watch any more of this movie. <laughs> well, the guy we just met who came up with this plan is a military veteran who served in Iraq, and his strategy works mostly because the birds aren't really moving or flying or doing anything other than holding that goddamn triangle pattern and cawing. So they make it to the car. Yeah, it works, but what happens as soon as they get in the car? Well, as you mentioned, 
It's actually not a car, it's a very old van. And it is just full of machine guns. Because like all military veterans in movies, this guy's got his own cache of weapons. Yeah, he's got an arsenal. He opens up the front passenger side window and just starts letting off shots. And we get some really poorly animated red blotches hitting a couple of birds as they drop like stones from the sky. No attempt to fly down or live. They're immediately dead in the air and they just drop. These gunfire effects are super shitty also. And there's a huge discrepancy between the volume of the gunshots and the volume of dialogue. Oh, and the movement of their hands and the guns when they're shooting. Like, none of this is coming together. It's like fucking MacGruber trying to fire that Uzi and it's shaking everywhere. Yeah, but MacGruber was more accurate and funny. Well, I agree 100%, but this is not a comedy, Noel. Come on. (laughs) Isn't it? I don't think so. So they drive away occasionally shooting some more until they find a couple of seemingly abandoned vehicles. But they aren't actually abandoned. The passengers are just dead. And while they're discovering this, regular non-movie traffic is just driving by carefree in the background. Jesus Christ. This killed me. (laughs) I hated that we were just on the side of the highway as regular traffic was going by. I know you don't have the budget to shut down any streets or anything, but like... Take those out of post if you're trying to show that we're in some kind of bird apocalypse here. Just Or just change the camera angle. Like, what also kills me is they're driving in both directions. If the traffic was one way, you could make the argument that everyone's trying to flee the town, but it's going both ways. Like, goddamn. So most of the people are dead in these cars, except they also find someone alive there? Well, they find two people, actually, children, one of whom you called the best actor in the movie and quickly <laughs> backpedaled on that in the next scene. <laughs> yeah, so there's a little girl. She's trapped under a car, and she puts out a pretty good heartfelt, like, the birds have killed my mom, help me. And they pull her out <laughs> and get her into the van, and they also find a kid kicking inside of the trunk of the other car, so they get him out, too, and... Now the two couples also have two children? Well, no, hang on. We don't have two couples at the moment because somewhere along the way, they lost the ex-military guy's girlfriend. She just isn't there anymore. I think we just don't see her. I think they're trying to tell us she's still in the van. No, I'm pretty sure we get a shot of the van and she is not in there. See, here's what I think happened. She dies soon in a hilarious way, and I think they jumbled up when she was alive, when she wasn't alive, and they fucking didn't put her in those scenes thinking they'd already killed her, and then realized, oh no, fuck, she isn't dead, so they just bring her back later. (laughs) Yeah, maybe they just pretend she was there the whole time, because we really don't see her. So presently, we see three adults and two kids, and they stop at a nearby general store, which of course has been cleaned out by people desperate to survive the all-out bird assault, except... Multiple shelves in the background are fully stocked, and it's been less than 12 hours, and clearly people are still living their everyday lives, given the fucking traffic we just saw, but whatever. They grab some sandwiches, and after escaping some more attack birds, decide that rather than eat in the safety of the van, they'll go to the beach for a picnic, because that tracks. This whole sequence of events is fucking mind-boggling. They must have spent more time trying to empty out one section of the store shelves than they did writing this entire film. (laughs) They take what they need, and they go for a picnic? Outside, where the birds are. This doesn't make any sense to me at all. We're going to get a little bit of explanation why they don't get murdered right away here. Uh, maybe. I think we kind of make a connection, but they're sitting down and having this meal together, and then our main character and his new girlfriend head off and find an old dude on a bridge? Yes, and I should point out that now that we've switched locations, that ex-military guy's girlfriend is back. She wasn't there for that whole scene in the store, but she's back now. But yes, Rod and Natalie see a guy standing on a bridge. He's wearing like an N95 mask. And when they try to approach him, he tells them to stay back because the birds are contaminated and to get away from him. But after Rod is like, Uh, Can we just talk about it at at the picnic area? You want to talk? Okay, all right. What? (laughs) He comes over. He takes off his mask and shares a sandwich with them. (laughs) He doesn't give a fuck anymore, apparently. No, which makes no sense at all. 
Now, in yet another small world coincidence, this guy is a doctor, but not just any doctor, a doctor of ornithology. He's a fucking bird expert. What are the chances? This is just another chance for the director and writer to insert some more information about how bad climate change is for the birds. Well, that's, I mean, that's this guy's theory. His theory is that the birds are acting this way because of global warming. My God. They're attacking, and he says this has happened in the past. They will attack humans to prevent them from destroying the world. And he's not wrong. About birds attacking humans to save the planet? <laughs> Hang on. No, I think he might be wrong about that. Uh, no, that he's wrong about, but this is our fault. That's true. Okay. You love blaming humans for everything, for the record? Anyway, this guy leaves to travel the world and spread the word about climate change. And the next time we see our gang, they're taking a bathroom break. The ex-military guy's girlfriend, you know that one who disappeared and then came back again? She's take a shit, but literally the second she tries to, despite Natalie standing guard and there being seemingly nothing around for miles, a bird flies right at her and kills her. <laughs> now, now, here's my question for you. This bird, which came out of nowhere, was on her for like 30 seconds. And when the bird goes, there's barely any blood on this lady. So how does she die? It hits her perfectly in the right place on her throat. These birds are apparently really good at going for the throat and eyes. So, sorry, you're going crushed windpipe? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> what? <laughs> in this scene, <laughs> I can't even believe it. The two girls walk out. One of them has a gun. The other has a roll of toilet paper. And she's like... You watch my back while I shit, and then I'll watch your back. Yeah, the last words this lady hears are, I'll cover you. You're right. But, like, you're not going to be firing a gun at a bird on top of a person. No, you're going to hit the person. You're definitely going to murder the person. That's what I thought happened. <laughs> I thought Natalie killed her. Like, oh, yeah, Natalie shot her. No, no, it was the bird. The bird got her. <laughs> Natalie killed the bird, and she has to run back screaming and yelling. She didn't get to take a shit either, so she's holding <laughs> that in the whole time. <laughs> That's the problem for me, I guess. But the boyfriend, he's not happy. <laughs> No, he's not. But in honor of this lady who bravely gave her life or whatever, they decide to become heroes, rescuing others from the scourge of the birds. And they get their first chance right away as they spot some people trapped on a double-decker bus. The ex-military guy rushes off to help them. Cover me, Rod, he says. But Rod does just as shitty a job as Natalie and almost as shitty a job as his movie's animators. And the ex-military guy and the people he was trying to help all die when the birds, like pee on them <laughs> it looked like vomit to me but i don't know man they fly by and all the people get splashed by something that like melts their skin you're going with vomit here it seemed like more like vomit to me but this scene was rough it's hilarious because that old military vet runs out of the bus and he's like get out of here right now we're gonna save you but instead of getting in the van quickly they all stand there as the birds come and puke on them oh and my God. obviously it's setting up the idea that the birds have kind of like they're toxic that's what it is right? yeah they're becoming toxic and the whole melting death scene is really bad okay this is gonna be the only good thing i see this movie in the entire podcast I actually thought the face-melting effect, the close-up shot of it, was not terrible. Not terrible is the highest praise I'm willing to give them. <laughs> there were a couple, like, cut wounds from the birds that looked okay. Somebody spent a little bit of time on that makeup. Okay, so you're willing to go as high as okay. I'm capping myself at not terrible. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give some of the makeup work at okay. All right, there you go. So, now it's just Rod, Natalie, and those two kids, almost like that family they wanted, except... What about her actual family? Has she mentioned her mom once since this all started? No. No, she didn't give a fuck. She's done with her mother. They also didn't try to find their close friends that the two of them, like, both know well. So that had me a little surprised. 
Uh, he never mentions his family. He just seems like a psychopath. So maybe he doesn't have any. I don't know. <laughs> He's just fucking Christian Bale in American Psycho climbing that corporate ladder. Oh, yeah. He feels <laughs> that way to me for sure. It's the kind of character we've got here. <laughs> That's funny, man. After a desperate attempt to make Rod seem like a better actor by bringing in what has to be a complete amateur to pay the role of a gouging gas station owner, they spot a cowboy next to a broken down truck. When they stop to help him, he tries to rob them for their expensive gasoline. Is this a uh, subtle criticism or a dependence on fossil fuels? What do you think? <laughs> I think so. I also think a subtle, I think, commentary on humans and what happens to humans in post-apocalyptic or uh, emergency situations. Yeah, there's always some that'll just fuck everybody else over. They're very selfish and frantic. Yeah, I think The Walking Dead has taught us that, right? That's what I thought of immediately when I see them pull over. This guy is going to walk in dead them. Oh, yeah, you called that from the beginning. But luckily for them, a bird fucks him before he can take advantage of them. <laughs> Not literally. I feel like we should make that clear. <laughs> I wish it did. That would have been the best. <laughs> no. It just slits his throat. And with that, Rod is able to escape. And clearly he's taking this environmental message to heart and leaving fossil fuels behind. Literally, as he drives off without picking up the giant tank of precious gasoline that he just spent $100 a gallon on. I wonder if this is going to come up later in the movie. No way they're going to run out of gas anymore. Oh my God, for sure. But what they're not going to run out of is water. Because after spotting a creek off the side of the road, it kind of seems like they might just decide to live in nature. If I met the guy they're about to meet, I might reconsider that. <laughs> I mean, I think this whole section was just an opportunity to show us the beauty of the Redwood Forest. Not the beauty of rapey Woody Harrelson? <laughs> Him too. <laughs> so they park the van on the side of the road, and it's at this point that I assume the van has run out of gas. But no. No, not yet. Apparently, they've gone through like 48 bottles of water and several large four-liter jugs. <laughs> they've only been out there for five hours, but all of them are deeply dehydrated for some reason. I assume that Rob was dehydrated for that f*** session the night before. <laughs> you think he got enough juices out? Yeah, him and Natalie are just tapped. That's what it is. <laughs> That's why they went for so much water. It's possible, although he never even took his clothes off, so I don't know how this even happened. That's why he's extra sweaty. He's wearing all those fucking clothes. <laughs> <laughs> but they head into the Redwoods and they're walking for a little while. We kind of get the same shots and then they get down to a stream and we get this creeper looking out at them from behind a tree. Oh my God. He's literally peering around the side of a tree like a fucking cartoon character. Now Rod, being a big man, says he's going to sh fucking shoot if he doesn't show himself. Then you're right. We get like a very creepy Woody Harrelson appearing from outside that tree. Yeah, it's not actually Woody Harrelson. It is like an equivalent resemblance to what I said at the beginning about Rod looking like Channing Tatum. A homeless man's Woody Harrelson. Literally homeless because he's living in the woods. Well, no. He has a home. He built it of wood in the trees. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Yes. He's, <laughs> yeah. Uh, believe it or not, this filthy hippie has all the answers. See, he's noticed that all the birds only seem to be attacking people in their cars or gas stations. He pontificates about global warming and the disastrous effect it's having on the forest he loves so much. And he's got more to say, but all of a sudden... I hear a mountain lion. I gotta get back to my house. You better get to your car. It was very nice meeting you. <laughs> this guy is so down to nature, he senses the mountain lion. If this guy lives in the woods, you'd think he'd know how to handle a mountain lion. The fact that the mountain lion scares the fuck out of him and he runs to his house? Yeah, can mountain lions not climb trees? I think they can. I think they can too. I mean, it's pretty high up where they show his like pasted picture of a shack at the top of the redwoods. <laughs> it's a pasted, it's a fucking paper house. It really is. He runs off and they go for a run too. They're on their way back to the van and they almost get there, but 
all of a sudden, what starts happening to the forest? Oh, fuck, man. Yeah, armed with the information that the birds only attack people in cars, they decide to head back to the car. This is a real fucking NASA crew here. But first, they have to escape the most low-budget forest fire you could possibly imagine. Like, seriously, try to imagine the shittiest, most low-budget forest fire effects a person could create and then make them shittier. Yeah, divide that by two because it's going to be worse than you could ever imagine. They've <laughs> taken just garbage fire effects and, like, put them over the top of pictures of redwoods. They don't even look closely connected. Like, they don't look like any of the leaves are on fire or anything. No, it's literally just an orange bubble of flames with some smoke above and below it. It's absolutely awful, but they come huffing out of the forest. The actors are coughing and pretending to cough because the forest fire was so strong. <laughs> they make their way back to the car, and they're not out of gas. They've got a little bit left, so they're going to head off again, despite knowing that the cars are a bad place to be. Exactly. It makes no sense. But they head to a lighthouse, and on their way there, they spot a familiar car on the side of the road. It's Natalie's friend's car, the one that was dating Rick. And I say was, because sadly, they've both been murdered by the birds. Now, do they have a plan to, like, meet at that lighthouse? Or is this just another insane small world coincidence? This is absolutely an insane small world coincidence. Right? They didn't talk about this shit at all before. What I'm baffled by is how many people have their windows open and are murdered by the side of the roads and cars. Keep the windows closed is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> None of these families would be dead if they had their windows closed. Like, use your air conditioning or not. Just be hot but not dead. That's a great point. So yeah. they're dead. They're at this lighthouse, and they're going to drive a little bit longer, but very soon what happens to them? Well, as if things couldn't get any worse, they of course run out of gas and are rightly concerned about what they're going to do to survive. So they decide to look in the trunk for the first time ever, and what Rot finds is a fishing rod. And he's like, hey, I can catch fish. And then he finds a camp stove, and he's like, hey, I can cook the fish. And that's what he does. Except these kids don't want to eat that fish. This whole living in the wild thing is probably not going to work out. They head down to the beach, the four of them. They kind of seem like a family. They're holding hands. They're like, everything's going to be all right. They catch a fish, gather some seaweed, and cook it together in some boiling water. Why did they choose to prepare the fish this way? Like, Oh, yeah. We were both, like, boiling it? Yeah, the kids won't eat it. They say they want Happy Meals, but, like, if you're fucking starving, eat what you've got. <laughs> so you're saying fuck those kids. In a situation <laughs> like this where they're, like... You'll get nothing and like it. <laughs> There are no McDonald's, or at least nowhere in this area where you're in, then yeah, those kids are going to eat what they get. Why they aren't looking for shelter or like any other kind of safety, I'm not sure. They just kind of spend time on the beach where they're wide open to what? Birds, obviously. The, and they return and drive everyone back to the van where Rod finally runs out of bullets. That should have happened fucking hours ago. And then suddenly <laughs> the birds leave. The shitty animated birds fly out to sea as we get triumphant inspirational music. Rod, Natalie, and their new kids watch them disappear into the horizon, and Natalie says she wonders why they stopped attacking. But as the credits roll, we realize that we're never going to find out. And I realize this is the worst movie I've seen in my fucking life. <laughs> <laughs> There's no wondering, is there? It's so fucking bad. The whole sequence here where they run away from the birds, somehow they're faster running to the car than birds are flying. Oh, God, the whole time they are, every human cannot run these birds. It's bullshit. After that moment when the bird smashes into the windshield, the birds take off. And I'm wondering if somehow in that moment the birds realize that, like, these are the people who could stop climate change. Yeah, they heard about that big fucking solar deal he made with those investors. Yeah, the birds learned that this van of people was the future. <laughs> yeah, it's Rod. Oh, shit, I didn't realize we were attacking Rod. <laughs> 
Yeah, fuck. I think that bird that died on there just kind of passed the message back in his last dying squawk. Like, God, no, it's fucking Rod. (laughs) (laughs) It's got to be the answer, right? Because (laughs) these horribly animated flocks of birds take off into the sunset. And they get out of the van and they walk hand in hand watching them leave. It's fucking insane. Oh, my God. Add it to the list, man. Yeah. This whole thing is insane. Watching to see who made this massive pile of shit was probably more entertaining than seeing the movie itself. Well, that's what I said. Like, there are certain types of movies where you sit there watching the credits, like, dumbstruck by what you've just seen and or searching for answers. You and I were doing both of those things. Like, fucking what was this? Who is responsible for this? I was looking for people to yell at. Well, I said it during the credits, and I'll say it again now. The animator of this movie should be shot. Like, not only should he never work again, he should probably be murdered. <laughs> Dude, these effects are so fucking shitty. Oh, it has to be a conscious decision. But again, I don't think so because that undermines your message of global warming. Like, what probably happened was the director was like, what kind of bird animations can you make for $200? And the guy's like, this is what you get. I can find some free software and make something better than that. Well, now, sure. No, I mean then. There's no (laughs) way this guy paid for any software to make these animations. It's brutal. I agree with you 100%. Now, before we get to ratings, I have one final question for you. This movie was not an official request, but it was recommended to us by our mutual friend, Alex Blonsky. Having watched this, do you now value your friendship with him less? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, I can see why you'd want other people to see this. It's one of those things where you want others to feel the same like pain or sorrow that you feel. See, I was I was thinking it was more of like a the thing where you want people to confirm what you just saw. Did yeah. I actually see what I thought I saw? That was as fucked as I thought, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's fair true, right? You want to make sure that you're not the one who has misread this thing. I don't know, man. I Again, I feel like nothing I read about or heard about this prepared me for the overwhelming shittiness and also message of climate change that we got. I don't know. Uh, my expectations were high that this was going to be batshit, and it really was batshit, but I did not expect it to be as bad as it was. Well, on that note, we should probably get to our ratings. The way we do this, we rate the movie two times on a scale of 1 to 10, once for how bad it is, once for how enjoyable, and the goal is to get 10 out of 10 on both scales, or what we call the Crit 20. And I will go first. This movie is unequivocally a 10 out of 10 bad. This thing, like I said, is the worst movie I have ever seen in my life. The acting is horseshit. The story is horseshit. The effects are, what's like more shitty than horseshit? Uh, Ox shit? I don't even know. (laughs) It's so fucking awful. Here's something. All of the promotional stuff for this movie hypes up Tippi Hedren being in it for the obvious connection to Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. Did you notice her in the movie? Who's Tippi Hedren? No. Like the lady from The Birds? Yeah, no. She shows up for 10 seconds on a TV in the background in footage from a different movie. What? Yeah, man. This movie's fucking atrocious. Everything about it. The fact that they advertise her being in this and she's in it for like fucking five seconds in the background is some absolute grade A exploitative bullshit. Tender to 10 bad. What do you think? Uh, you're a little harsh, aren't you? Like, isn't oh, No, on, absolutely not. Worst 90 minutes I've ever spent watching a movie. Oh, hang on now. Now, really? sorry, not, we're not going to enjoyability yet, but like, yeah. I watched 90 minutes of the like crappiest produced film that I have ever seen. Would and you have walked out on this in theaters? No, I don't think so because I wanted to see what would happen, see if it was a joke, see what kind of like things were going to come across. 
the acting is absolutely atrocious. Mm -hmm. The cinematography, like the way that the cameras are set up, the fact that you never see two people talking in the same shot, the sound editing, how many things were kind of like overdubbed or produced before. I hate that when we switch back and forth, the background sound is either like quiet or some or more. Yep. It like I couldn't handle it. Of course, the bird effects are atrocious. <laughs> they're, they're the worst. Any kind of animation effect. You really could have a middle school class of students make better animated like films than you would see with that. Like, well, like at these days, but could you say that 12 years ago? I'm not sure. That's a good question. I'm not trying to justify It doesn't this. feel that old, right? Yeah. Like 2010 is not that long ago. I feel like the technology was there for them to do way better even on a limited budget that's why it seems funny that it's a choice i also hate that this makes me like less supportive of well and it doesn't it did. actually no, but, but it but makes it me though? it makes me feel in this moment less supportive of climate change initiatives despite the fact that i'm very much believe in those right because it was hitting you over the head in a way that was not very effective and the fact that that was the reason the birds were like going insane and killing humans just wasn't sold well to me. So you're saying James Nguyen's heart in the right place, but yes. something went wrong. Execution the did okay. not happen for me. The relationship between the two was awful. The lead actors were just like most normal humans. You could literally pull two other humans off the street and they would perform lines better. Yeah. Right. Just atrocious. Really um, bad. In my notes, I just wrote everything. <laughs> I, get, I literally just says everything for my bad rating right. and, and it's a 10 and okay. if there was worse than a 10 it would get it okay but how enjoyable on a scale of 1 to 10 <sighs> do you want to go first yeah I can go first yeah uh, when we watched this I think it was when we watched this you liken this to a train wreck where you can't look away like it's not enjoyable but you feel compelled to watch it to the conclusion and that's kind of how I felt about this like it's really really bad and parts are hard to watch and I will not watch this again. Having said that, what I kind of thought to myself as I was trying to think of a rating for this was thinking of other movies I've rated very low on enjoyability before, did I enjoy it more than that? And so where I have landed on this is I definitely did not enjoy it more than body of evidence, which I believe I give a two for enjoyable for. So it's got to be like the same or lower, but did I enjoy it more then the Colin Farrell Total Recall or Batman and Robin, which I gave a one two for enjoyable. And I think the answer might actually be yes. Okay. So I'm going to give this a two for enjoyability uh, with the caveat that it is like train wreck enjoyable. It's a curiosity. You got to kind of see it to believe it. But once you see it and once you believe it, you never want to see it again. So I got it as a two. Okay, a two. So for me, the enjoyability of this was just how ridiculous it was. I didn't not laugh, right? There were moments where it was so bad, it was funny. I could see this almost being like a cruel thing to watch and laugh at. Like if you were really drunk or really high, I could see you finding this movie incredibly funny, right? Are you saying that's what happened with Blonsky? I'm, I'm thinking so. <laughs> I'm thinking so. I already said that uh, I think less of him because of this, but <laughs> I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt here um, because there were points where you can't look away and the things that happen are hilarious just because the choice is 
so bad. Yeah. The acting is so bad that at times it is funny. Watching them try to have a date or interact is like making me cringe and laugh. Watching them try to pump in the inconvenient truth and the, <laughs> the yeah, kind that of was, messages that was hilarious. you have to laugh at even though you cringe a lot too. I had this slightly higher than you. I had it as a four. <laughs> wow, man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is, uh, I, you know, I kind of see it. You've made some good points there for what's happening. Uh, I think we will more likely agree on this beer that we just tried. What do you think of this beer? Yeah, it was delicious. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of wish I had those other two cans. I know. I was going to say, if I had another one of those, I would have been really happy to crush that one, too. Um, I think anytime you can get a good balance of fruit in a sour, and I know you're a large fruited sour man. Definitely. They're just so easy to drink. It's a refreshing beverage. It doesn't hit me like a beer. Like often it doesn't taste like a beer. It almost tastes more like a sour juice kind of thing, but, uh, delicious for sure. Yeah. And you know, like I'm not a big blueberry or cherry guy, which is half the fruits in this, but the mango and pineapple really kind of pull it up or balance it out for me in a way where I don't really get... Uh, taste I don't want to get blends together really well. Uh, yeah, man, 11th Hour Brewing, cool place. I would love to go back there again and hopefully will maybe the next time in Pittsburgh. But yeah, this was uh, very enjoyable. I do I would, agree. The pineapple sort of sets this one off. I think that's a fruit that kind of balances it all really well. Maybe next time I can take a trip down to Pittsburgh with you and we can check out this brewery and hopefully a few others. That'd be awesome. Absolutely, man. Let's do it. So that is going to do it for Birdemic. Thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> next week, though... I don't know if you know this or not, but next week is going to be our 69th episode. <laughs> oh, the sex number. <laughs> you, you can't let people down on the 69. Well, we're going to see because next week we're going to be watching the sequel to a legendary uh, sex thriller. We're going to be watching Basic Instinct 2. Ooh, yeah. uh, uh, Sharon Stone still in it? She is. She's like 40 something. I didn't see the first one. Oh, my God, dude. So uh, this is going to be uh, my introduction to Basic Instinct. I'm on record as saying that Total Recall is peak Sharon Stone, like from an appearance standpoint. But Basic Instinct is the thing most people point to, and she's great in it. It is a like a really uh, good movie that I probably don't think you could necessarily make these days. But this is the much less heralded sequel. And we'll be talking about that. I'm sure it'll be full of innuendo and should have to bleep and whatever else. I'm looking forward to watching another erotic thriller with you. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Why not? So uh, that'll be next week. But before then, if you have not already, please follow us on social media at the BNB podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, You can also send us uh, suggestions for beers and or movies. Uh, We have an email, the BNB podcast at gmail.com. Absolutely. And we love to hear from you however you get a hold of us. Thank you for listening. We hope you'll join us next week for our 69th episode. Until then, I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And we'll see you next time on Bad Movies and Beer. Keep it eco-friendly. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Who will survive? <laughs>